to the Cospus Club, where we talk all things Cospus, we tweet daily about what's going on, and then we invite interesting, fascinating, hardworking builders of the Cosmos ecosystem. And today we are fired up to talk about decentralized storage today with Patrick from Jackal, for the first time here at the club. Welcome, Patrick. Awesome to have me. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me. And uh, no, I'm really excited to kind of share with your community. I, I don't think I've ever been introduced to your community, so I think it'd be a great time to just Start that out. For sure, for sure. You guys have been uh, operating for some time, and uh, for for the longest of times, we uh, we really would love to uh, to have you on. Uh, so uh, so glad that we finally made it. But before we uh, we dive into Jackal and uh, decentralized storage and uh, de decentralized computing in general, um, maybe we can take a little bit of a personal touch because uh, people in crypto and in Cosmos, I feel uh, they come from all walks of life. Uh, some people are obviously highly technical, some people are more financial with an economics background, some people are more graphic oriented, uh, uh, diving into NFT projects, for example. So what's your story, Patrick? How did you end up uh, building Jackal? Yeah, so uh, I'm one of the two co-founders of Jackal. So uh, my name is Patrick uh, Dunlop. I'm from Canada, first and foremost. So uh, it's, uh, another set of Canadians, I guess, in the Cosmos ecosystem is always great. But uh, my background is more of a technical <laughs> background where I used to work in digital forensics and investigations for law firms, and I was working on cryptocurrency thefts and frauds. And uh, originally, the very early idea for Jackal was actually a e-discovery tool for court use for tracking and tracing digital evidence. One thing leads to another, and we were building on Polygon, then we were building on the secret network, and then uh, next thing you know, we started building our own L1 blockchain for a public cloud environment, which is a little bit more of a generic approach to what we were building before. So that's kind of my background, and that's uh, how we got here. It's uh, it's a it's been I want to say we started in November of 2021, and it's been a long time coming. We ended up launching the uh, the full L1 protocol in October 28th, 2022, and uh, that's what kind of brings us today. It's a lot of iterations and just uh, trying to get one percent better every day for the protocol. That's how it is oftentimes. Good things are worth waiting for, is what I normally like to say to uh, builders like yourself. But uh, tell me, perhaps uh, you mentioned Polygon. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you uh, first heard about Cosmos or adapt into Cosmos, uh, particularly from a Polygon perspective. Um, those things, I mean, these ecosystems, uh, they tend to sort of morph uh, closer and closer to each other with uh, Polygon supernets and uh, and all that. Uh, so yeah, maybe uh, just out of curiosity, uh, talk to us a little bit about your journey from, yeah, in this case, Polygon to, to Cosmos. Yeah, 100%. So when we were originally going to build um, Keepsake was the uh, the original name of, of the uh, of the e-discovery tool. 
we wanted a blockchain with really fast transaction speeds, right? So when you're working with um, kind of managing files or managing permissions to files, you kind of really want quick block times and you really want to have the ability to interact with the blockchain quite quickly, right? Uh, and financial transactions, you can be a little bit more patient because uh, it's not really that, that big in the user experience. But uh, we chose Polygon originally because the first iteration of what we were building wasn't really infrastructure heavy. It was more just on the, um, more of an application built on the smart contract layer. So as we started to move down the stack to scale out, number one, building um, a decentralized physical infrastructure network of storage providers all around the world, that's something that we didn't think we were gonna have to build originally. Um, thinking about building custom blockchain modules wasn't something that we thought we were going to have to do. So as we started to build the best product possible and had a little bit of a larger need to alter the blockchain itself to produce the best user experience for the area of data storage specifically, that's kind of how we moved from Polygon to Osmos landing on the secret network. And then the kind of the next iteration was using the secret network for data permissions, uh, using Filecoin for cold storage originally, and then having a peer-to-peer -peer hot storage caching layer was the second iteration. Then we kind of ran yeah. into uh, some scalability issues um, where we didn't really need generic privacy. We needed specific privacy for our specific use case. So uh, pretty much uh, we had to kind of move away from the secret network, unfortunately, they're still awesome uh, what they do for programmable privacy. But for our use case, mm. uh, we it got really, really expensive. Um, imagine every time you had to uh, transfer a file or send an email, you needed to uh, pay a really, really heavy fee. It's not really mm. scalable for our specific use case because we needed so much data actually on chain and we had really large cryptographic proofs for uh, files. and. Yeah, it's kind of that's kind of how we move from Polygon over to Cosmos and from the Cosmos app layer to an L1. It, it just was it, an iterative process of, of trying to get a little bit more scalable and have a better user experience is kind of the driving forces between everything that we do. Beautiful. And without further ado, let's uh, let's talk about uh, Jackal. You mentioned uh, a few things already uh, that uh, sort of speaks to what Jackal is uh, is trying to solve and working on with the decentralized storage. Uh, you mentioned Filecoin, for example, which I'm sure we will compare to uh, also uh, later in the space. But before you uh, you answer that question about Jackal, I think um, just to paint a picture for everybody here, I think a lot of people they get into crypto blockchain because of the uh, sort of killer app being payments, uh, getting rich quick, perhaps even uh, a lot of people, if they are completely honest, is what attracted them to crypto. But I think what we're really trying to solve here is something much, much larger. And the way I like to look at it, at least, is that we have sort of two worlds that we can build. Either we continue on this path that we're on right now, where large, predominantly American companies only get larger from here. They will get more and more data. They will get more and more powerful, and yeah, that's just that's just the future that we are currently building. But then there's an alternative, and that's where blockchain as a technology is incredibly powerful and liberating, uh, to be quite frank. And that is when people take back control of their data. They don't just hold cryptocurrency and uh, do payments; they hold their data. Uh, that could be obviously 
personal data, uh, social media data, interactions on the internet, where you hold the the data in your wallet, as we all know and love, where you get sort of, uh, you set the permissions in order to, should a particular dApp be able to view, edit, or how should they be able to access this data? So I'm not going to go on a rant here. I want to hear from you, Patrick. But I think this is the two futures that I see. I'd love to get your take also, Patrick, on this. But before we, uh, we, we dive into all that, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Jackal first uh, for everybody who is unaware out there. Yeah, we can talk about Jackal and then we can move uh, a little bit more into the future and why we'd want to build um, kind of a permission system for data using blockchain tech. But at the end of the day, if you want to distill Jackal down to what it is, really, it's a self-custodial data storage environment in a cloud. So you have a cloud environment such as like a, uh, you'll, you'll notice it's something similar to like an AWS or a Microsoft Azure or uh, Alibaba Cloud, depending on where you are in the world. But in those environments, you inherently lose access or full control of your data and ownership of that data. So what we wanted to do when we were building Jackal is make a similar solution, but you have full self-custody and control with the highest digital privacy and cybersecurity posture available on market. So um, looking at the some of the apps that we built on top of the infrastructure, is just kind of like a decentralized Dropbox uh, is, is one really good way to look at it. But when you move a little bit deeper and look deeper into the tech stack of what we've actually built, it's a really heavy duty infrastructure for data storage. The The next thing that you said that I'd like to address is um, kind of the libertarian aspect of it and the the more of the holistic approach to looking at objective look at the current situation when you look at how the internet operates and data ownership and who has access to what at what time. The primary use case for data and the the issue that we tried to solve originally was we wanted a clean forensic environment in a cloud, which uh, is something that you can't get with anyone else because inherently a third party has access to that data. That's kind of where we started was, okay, we wanted a clean forensic environment in the cloud and we don't have that. So we could probably use blockchain to solve that problem. So you can only the end users with their private keys can access that data, for example. And then as you continue to build these products, you start to notice more and more issues that are in the current system where you don't really have control whether or not um, your data gets leaked or your data gets hacked or you could be in a situation for mergers and acquisitions, for example, when you're selling a company and you inherently in all these systems have to trust a third party when interacting. That's something that we think with the technology that we have today can be solved. It's it's still a little bit rough. It's still the early days of this blockchain technology, but we think we are solving a larger issue where the same holistic approach to finance that blockchain aims to solve, we think that has the same application when it comes to data storage as well. Finance stuff is awesome. It's incredibly fun, as you were saying earlier. It's cool. Uh, Finality is quick, which is important when you're looking at kind of like the traditional finance system. It settles on 30 to 60 days sometimes. On blockchain, you can have settlement every six seconds, for example. The velocity of capital is a lot faster. But the way that we look at it is it's 
a technology that can break financial systems and it can be the next generation of financial systems. And we're seeing that with banks, they're starting to explore this technology as well. But we also see this as a technology to craft unreachable digital fortresses for data. And uh, that's kind of why we're building this. Um, we built this awesome infrastructure. We're starting to look at what verticals we want to approach first, but that's kind of uh, how we see the space and why we're building what we're building. Awesome, man. Let's talk about a little bit about the user experience, perhaps. Uh, maybe it's a bit uh, too early to say, but then uh, at least uh, the user experience as you see it. Because I think a lot of people, when they hear about decentralized storage, it becomes very hypothetical to a lot of people. Uh, we all know on a conceptual level about cloud storage. We probably heard about Amazon Web Services, AWS, or Google Cloud, or Microsoft Azure. And that's sort of like, okay, so you host your website or whatever on Amazon, and then data gets put in Amazon. Great. But decentralized storage, okay, so you distribute data across a network that is being validated uh, via a consensus mechanism, uh, aka blockchain. All right, so data is distributed across the world instead of centralized in a, uh, in a uh, Amazon data warehouse. Great. But how do how do I as a user as a Cosmos Club user, how do I interact with Jackal? How do I see Jackal? Perhaps you can just uh, unveil a little bit about the user experience that the people might experience. Absolutely. So um, the first product that we built, because building the infrastructure is one thing, and most blockchains usually don't have a front end, believe it or not, unless uh, some Cosmos app chains do, obviously, like Osmosis, but. Um, the first application we wanted to build is kind of like a Dropbox type product. So if you go to app.jackalprotocol.com, um, you're going to need some Jackal tokens. So you're going to have to get them either on Astro Vault or Osmosis or Shade Protocol and bridge them over to the Jackal Protocol. But uh, once you get some Jackal tokens and you enter our application, you pretty much just have a Dropbox like front end where you can store data. and the magic moment when you're using a product like that is as soon as you upload it, that means that the only person in the entire world that can access that file is you with your private keys, with your wallet. Um, this is fully on-chain permissions. There's no uh, smoke and mirrors in the back end, which is, is pretty special about using this tech stack. So that is kind of the best way to visualize it is just using it like a Dropbox. Looking at uh, more of the infrastructure side of things and the distributed nature, Right, uh, the Jackal protocol has two peer-to-peer -peer networks. Uh, one that you talked about for validation. Um, so they validate the blockchain, they decide who has what tokens at what time. Our validators also decide who has what files at what time, and also ensure that your files are always distributed with three times redundancy over our decentralized physical infrastructure network. So um, one peer-to-peer -peer network kind of does all the validation and has all the spreadsheets that argue with each other. And then the other peer-to-peer -peer network is the storage network. And these providers um, do a really important job of storing data. And they submit proofs to the other peer-to-peer -peer network that they continue to store the data. In the event that they stop storing the data, that contract is broken um, after a certain amount of time if you don't submit your proofs. And then another storage provider on the network will copy from the other forms of redundancy and then start submitting proofs. So that's kind of how uh, we visualize it right now um, is really that one 
application where it's more focused on a end business to customer type product. It's end users and that are blockchain native in the Cosmos ecosystem that can use it and they'd be comfortable using it because they're familiar with other technology. And then what we're working on right now is more kind of moving um, up the stack with different front ends. We're building an API right now for easy access when you're looking for more of a Web 2.5 product, working on microservices to integrate with other applications. Um, that's kind of where we are right now is, is uh, we've built the infrastructure. Now it's time to move up the, the tech stack and start building uh, more product-based things in specific verticals. Beautiful. And yeah, I think uh, you, you hit the nail on his head. Uh, going on app.jackalprotocol.com. Anyone who hasn't tried it, go ahead and uh, check it out. Uh, it's very much, as you say, uh, Dropbox, um, but in a decentralized manner. So uh, yeah, I think that's a perfect example of uh, one of many use cases of this. Uh, I mean, just look, go through the uh, your phone of all the apps, uh, go through all the websites that you normally look at or check out and just you know all of these will need the uh, storage uh, either centralized or decentralized so so really the use case can be anything online right <laughs> that's also yeah. why i asked the question it's uh Jacko doesn't discriminate right so it's uh it stores data <laughs> and uh, it depends on the use case so when you look at i know Jaden is listening as well he kind of heads the growth at, at Jacko labs where we look at uh, all the different integrations that we're looking to do uh, right now, we're onboarding in our integration pipeline. There's about 13 or 14, I can pull it up, 14 different companies that are onboarding. Um, they're all Web3 native right now because it's quite a little bit of a knowledge gap in the current state of the infrastructure. You kind of need to be a crypto or blockchain native to use it. But uh, NFTs is a big use case uh, for kind of storing the JPEGs. We're looking at a data lake solution that's looking to kind of store all the data on Jackal. We're looking at a actually a decentralized science application storing kind of like genomes and, and things of the sort. And they want a secure way to store that. Another decentralized physical infrastructure network, uh, a few L1s that kind of want more of a front end so they can use it natively on their um, blockchains, which is great about Cosmos, right? Is you can use interchain smart contracts or um, interchain accounts or account abstraction to kind of reach into other ecosystems so we can kind of bring the product to users rather than force them to come to us. It's uh, pretty special stuff at the end of the day, I believe. Makes sense. Makes a ton of sense. Talk to us about the space that you're in. Uh, you mentioned Filecoin earlier, which uh, I think a lot of people, if they've ever read up on the decentralized storage, would uh, know about. Um, a cash network is obviously also something that comes to mind, especially for people in Cosmos. So yeah, talk to us about the space that you're in and, and how perhaps you guys are different from uh, from those players. Yeah, so we, we can start with the cash. So a cash and Jackal, we're not really competitors at all, believe it or not. Um, so Jackal does storage and uh, cloud storage and a cash more focuses on compute, right? So uh, they, they do cloud compute, we do cloud storage. Um, they're both actually more complementary um, than, than competitors at the current stage, right? And it's, uh, we could actually think of some awesome applications between the two. You could host static websites uh, on Jackal, but if you add in a cache environment, you can have a dynamic website. I've also seen users deploy in an application on a cache and have it uh, hosted there that stores files to Jackal as well, which has been pretty cool to watch. Um, looking at more of the the other individuals in the space, um, 
it's kind of more about solving problems, right? Um, all of the different applications that we have solve different problems. When you look at Filecoin, they're more focused on cold storage or glacier storage where you store things for rest for a really long time. And it's great at what it does over there. AR, we've, they're more focused on the problem of storing data in perpetuity, kind of as like a, a library or um, an archive as, as well, kind of similar to Filecoin with a different approach. Jocko's more focused on a hot storage approach, which is um, a, a different type of, of, um, of product where we're looking for more of speed and utility uh, rather than kind of a, a place to put data to rest is, is what we're focusing on primarily right now. Um, the other thing that, that makes Jackal a little bit different is focusing on the application of privacy and uh, encryption for the files themselves. Uh, on pretty much every other storage network um, that fully operates as, as fully on chain where there's no um, middleware or anything along those lines. We're the only one where there's actual a permission system and we're the only one with uh, privacy by default. So when you use most storage networks right now, um, they're kind of more of a place to publish things or store things for long times, but uh, everything that's stored on them are inherently public. And uh, there's a lot of use cases that can't use a product like that. So we try to focus on um, more, more enterprise use cases or, uh, or other use cases where they're focused on privacy, they're focused on speed, and they're focused on interoperability. Is, is where we like to position ourselves and kind of why we chose to actually build the product in the first place. Because if we could have used existing technology, we would have. Oh, you went uh, mute, Patrick. I thought, yeah. so, sorry, I just ended my, that was the end of my, uh, my rant or my TED talk. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. And I, you mentioned a keyword there that uh, just sweet music to anyone who is in love with Cosmos in, in our years, and that's interoperability, uh, which I can imagine is one of the big reasons why you decided to build on on Cosmos also with uh, enabling IPC. But uh, let me ask you this uh, on on the space also that you guys are operating in, uh, because yeah, there are differences uh, naturally to things like a cash, things like a Filecoin. Um, but where do you see the space heading from here? Because obviously the opportunity is massive, right? I mean, you can just look at how big AWS, Google Cloud, and all these different um, uh, different products or companies uh, have become. They, um, you know, it's massive, right? Uh, the internet is huge, and uh, our online li lives are only going to grow from here. Um, so yeah, we, we can't. You know, the market is just bigger than anything else probably that we will see in our lifetimes. But where do you see this space, the decentralized storage uh, space headed uh, in the in the near future, perhaps? I, I think from there's two ways to to look at it, right? Um, it, it's it's a conversation about more on the infrastructure side and the values, right? The right now, if we look at the space, what we choose to focus on is security, ownership, um, self-custody, privacy, all that good stuff. And that's the the core ethos that we kind of um, inherited when we were looking to build this this infrastructure. The, the current infrastructure that's built out there, um, they kind of focus more on uh, performance and, and, and speed, and they sacrifice some of the core tenants that we care about in the blockchain space in general, right? Of uh, 
sovereignty, ownership, those kind of things. So in the current state, where we are right now is we built awesome infrastructures, but we haven't really built products. In the traditional Web2 environment, they start with products and they move down the stack and Amazon started as a bookstore and now they're working on infrastructure, right? So it's a, it's a little bit more of a bottom-up approach rather than a top-down approach. So I, I think in the long run, the technology is inherently better from a security, privacy, ownership, interoperability standard. Um, but it, it takes a little bit of time and it's going to take more and more iterations to get to a place where you can compete head-to-head with those products. Right. I, I don't think that is, is as long as we all think. But I I see... I see in the next, let's say, 10 years, uh, 15 years into a space where every permission system is run on on a blockchain. And we think that we are one of the pioneers of that technology. And we think that we're here to stay for a really long time for that specific aspect, 100%. Um, I, did I answer the question? <laughs> I think I started to ramble a little bit. It's a tough question, right? I mean, who, who knows where the space is headed? But uh, yeah, I think you did. I think you did. Um, I'll start to blend in the community questions early where I see it fit in uh, nicely uh, because there's a lot of interest from the community, which is great. Uh, one of them is uh, about security. Um, some people would know that uh, there's been outages with uh, Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud, every now and then. Um, and when it happens, um, the like one third of the internet or something like that uh, it doesn't operate properly like all the services that we used to they just uh, don't work uh, so it's definitely something that people feel uh, it's something that people see they might not know why it happens or they might not know that it's because aws is down but it happens um, so i think something like data breaches security all these things uh, that's something that obviously has to be answered or addressed uh, with with decentralized storage and decentralized computing. Uh, so yeah, how does Jackal approach uh, security? Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really great question. So when it comes to security, Jackal is built to be in the, the whole core tenets of us building this product was to build you the, a, a permission system with the highest digital privacy and cybersecurity posture possible on the market. So Jackal, we're actually built out of your data from the ground up. Um, we can't access your data even if we wanted to. So the only way that you have a data breach using this technology is you leak your private keys or um, you actually want something to be public. So inherently, we can't leak your data. So it kind of comes from the reason why we are better is because we use the blockchain as a permission system rather than having a centralized choke point of failure where, ha where we're running a server with user credentials where we can backdoor into any of them at any time. So that's kind of the inherent difference um, between using uh, a blockchain as a permission system versus a centralized choke point of failure as a permission system. Um, we're inherently better from that standard. The uh, the outage where you have a data center goes down, let's say there's like a hurricane or a fire or um, UFOs come and they, they pick up the data center and take it off. <laughs> um, that's kind of the, that's a centralized choke point of failure as well. So by building a system where it's geo-distributed by default, where uh, all your data has three three versions of those files live on the network at a given time, and they're all in different parts of uh, areas around the globe. And um, it's kind of the way that we have a 
we call it the Jackal Proof of Persistence Protocol. And it's really interesting if anyone wants to do like a technical deep dive and go into the white paper or into the GitHub to look at it. Basically, we have a proof of persistence protocol to ensure that there's always three versions of the file on the network at any given moment. So in the event that uh, one choke point of failure, one server that's holding your files, let's say it floods or power goes out or uh, anything happens from that standard, you always have two other forms of redundancy, number one. But number two, after a certain amount of time, uh, that storage contract will be broken if they don't submit attestations or proofs to the blockchain that they continue to have the file. This is how our blockchain keeps the storage network in check and always ensures uptime for all your files and always ensures uh, geo-distributed nature of all your files and um, just ensure the best user experience possible. That's uh, that's kind of how we we manage more of the the security aspect and the uh, the distributed nature of of the protocol itself. Right on, right on, man. Let's talk about roadmap. That's always something that people are excited for. I mean, people listening for half an hour now, um, they are probably curious to uh, to know what's uh, what's to come uh, from Jackal. You guys have a front end already, which is always nice. People can click a few buttons to interact with the protocol. That's uh, always helpful. Uh, but what's to come from Jackal? What, what do you guys have on the roadmap? Yeah, um, so the, we kind of have two roadmaps internally. So we have the business development and kind of the the growth roadmap, which is on one side of the team. And then the other team, there's the technical team that continue to work on either new products or um, kind of enhancing the protocol in different ways. From the business development side of things, um, our goal in the long run is to make sure that every meaningful piece of data that is forced to live off chain, um, which is a lot of different use cases in, in Web3, such as NFTs or um, data marketplaces or just kind of um, chain state data, kind of that kind of stuff. Uh, we're looking to onboard as much of that onto Jackal as possible. So we want to be the premier place to store data in the interchain ecosystem. So uh, we have two teams fully onboarded. We have about 13 teams to 14 teams that are onboarding currently. So it's really exciting on the growth side of things right now. The more interesting and uh, <laughs> the more interesting side of things for the roadmap is usually the technical roadmap. So, where we've been um, over the last, uh, I want to say, two years, almost three years now, it feels like a eternity in Web three. But uh, the major kind of launches that we've had is we launched the protocol. We migrated from a layer two to a layer one. Uh, we launched that application that uh, the the Jackal dashboard or the cloud dashboard we like to call it. We built all the different modules. We've done tons and tons of security enhancements from bandwidth consumption improvements to file stray recovery systems to uh, provider reporting and uh, tooling. Of course, obviously, we have our Jackal JS libraries. We have a Node.js library, Jackal Go library that we built out. Where we're going right now is uh, number one, uh, we're doing a really big economics overhaul. Uh, so in the first iteration, the providers were, were actually over incentivized relative to the work that they were doing for the protocol. So we're working on moving towards kind of like the Jackal 2.0 tokenomics aspect of it to make sure that we have a more of a balanced economy. Um, we launched a hyperscaling consensus spheres. So this is kind of another um, improvement when it comes to scalability. Uh, ledger compatibility with the data storage modules is something that we're working on right now, where right now you can only use the Jackal dashboard if you're using um, like a hot wallet in your browser. And we want cold storage 
to work as well. Uh, sorry, cold uh, cold storage of private keys, not cold storage of data. But uh, <laughs> so so ledger compatibility is pretty important too. Um, mm. We're rolling out APIs. Uh, so we have a new app called Stratus that's going to be launching. Uh, we're looking at perpetual data storage so you can store data forever. So we're rolling out another application called Radiant, which is kind of a forever storage, pay once, store forever type of product. Uh, ZK Proofs. So we're going to have NARCs for augmented scalability kind of thing. And uh, on the backlog and things that we kind of have in the more distant future, it's account abstraction is a big one. So making sure that you can um, have, it's like a Web3 API, if you want to think about it that way. So you have a smart contract that has control of a storage account, which is a really, really cool application. Um, interchain accounts, obviously, so you can be on Evmos or Juno or Archway or Neutron, and you have an application that you want to integrate with Jackal, and you want to be completely Web3 and uh, not really have to use a choke point of failure, such as an API or stuff like that. Um, we want that to be have native data storage uh, interacting with other blockchains, uh, microservices SaaS platforms. So integrating with Microsoft 365 as a data backup, for example, integrating with HubSpot for data backups and kind of being a microservice to um, to kind of secure data is another thing that we're working on. Um, compute over data is another thing. So in the age of AI, we kind of have to look at what it takes to have compute over large data sets and kind of make the data on Jackal available to compute. So that's something that we've been interesting. Um, has been interesting. We've been looking at working with the cache and other compute providers to make our data accessible in the age of AI. Um, so that's kind of uh, where we are right now, just staying curious, staying innovative, and uh, just looking to make the protocol 1% better every day. It's quite a quite a mouthful and uh, a lot of things uh, to to execute on. Um, out of curiosity, how big is the team, uh, and are you guys looking to uh, to extend the team? Because uh, some people listening, they might be interested in uh, in joining joining forces with you guys. Yeah, one hundred percent. So right now, uh, we're kind of on. Uh, I think a lot of different companies out there right now in the Web three ecosystems, we're not really hiring per se. We're more on kind of like focusing on long-term scalability and getting cash flow positive. So to just kind of um, kind of phrase it into how venture is looking at the Web3 ecosystem, they're not really looking for uh, growth metrics as much as they're looking for um, kind of things like ARR per employee or um, just being kind of cash flow positive in general and having a viable business model. So that's our number one focus right now is making sure that we can get the Jackal Labs, first and foremost, cash flow positive. So we never have to sell um, Jackal tokens to kind of like maintain the growth of the the team or anything like that. So that's our main focus. And uh, we don't really want to be having to sell tokens or do anything from that standpoint. So right now we have uh, 11 people full-time on staff uh, that are employees. We have a number of full-time contractors as well um, that are kind of working on in all the different aspects so we have one person on growth we have myself who's kind of on the bd and operation side of things and everyone else is either an engineer or uh, someone working on server infrastructure or something along those lines so uh, we have a we have a big enough team for us to be able to execute everything that we wish to building uh, through the bear market that uh, seems to be a winning strategy by the way uh, the winners of tomorrow is uh, is happening now <laughs> uh, in this bear market so um, that's awesome man that's uh, it's really 
really cool uh, what you guys are, are planning to do. And one thing that really stuck out to me, at least, uh, is the account abstraction um, feature, uh, if, if, if you call it a feature. Um, Ethereum is, uh, is getting more and more uh, active in the, the account ab abstraction space, if you will. Um, where you can sort of have on-chain verification of who you are, you know, this whole concept of, uh, for example, the government issuing you a passport and then the government is sort of the uh, verifier or your school verifying that you've gone to the school and you're a good student or your employer saying you're a good, good employee, we can vouch for you and those things like all these different things where people are vouching and sort of verifying that you are a good employee, a good student, whatever it is. Um, so maybe can you talk to us a little bit about account abstraction, how you guys addresses that? Because I think it's going to be a big, big thing in, in Web3 uh, in, the, in the years to come, perhaps even a, a new narrative that uh, could kickstart uh, the next run. Yeah, um, from our standpoint, we were pretty, uh, we're pretty objective when we look at the technology. So when we look at account abstraction, we see a smart contract having an on-chain account, basically, right? Um, so you have smart contracts that manage a storage account for, for our use case um, where you can kind of abstract away a lot of the annoying features of Web3 for users, for example. So um, in our use case, um, you look at an API, right, in Web2, where you have an API, you throw something at the API and it does the job. In Web3, we don't really have that type of user experience yet. Um, and we see account abstraction more of a, kind of like a Web3 API per se. So for this use case, um, every time that you would want to do a data backup, if you're an organization, you would have to take out your ledger and you'd have to sign a transaction every single time, for example. Um, that kind of is lame and that's a bad user experience if you're looking at kind of backing up or kind of managing large amounts of data. Um, using account abstraction, for example, we could have a smart contract that manages a storage account and has its own um, kind of public and private keys and it does all that good stuff. So you could, in theory, throw data at that smart contract and have the smart contract do a job for you. And then in, in the event that you ever want to access that data, then you might have to sign a transaction, right? So mm -hmm. it, it's kind of looking at making the user experience a lot better. It's abstracting away all the kind of um, frustrating and lame nuances of Web3 that are mandatory for security and mandatory for kind of a trustless environment to operate, but is not great. Um, and it's not, it's definitely not going to onboard like my grandma, for example, but account is crashing <laughs> fed, right? Um, there's all kinds of different use cases that you can think of. Uh, where you can um, have smart contracts that, that manage um, accounts, basically. It's uh, it's pretty special stuff at the end of the day. Makes sense. Makes sense. Going to shift gears a, bit, a little bit here because I can see a lot of interest around the token, um, the Jackal token or JKL token. Um, what can you tell us about the token? Obviously, it's live. It's not like something that you are planning to launch. It's it's out there. People can find information about it. But for anyone listening or re-listening uh, on a podcast episode who doesn't know about the Jackal token, what can you tell us about it and why should people pay attention here? Yeah. Um, so what the Jackal token does, it's uh, since we're an L1 blockchain, we, we need to have a token for a number of different things. If we're looking at governance, uh, obviously, is the big one. Um, but the Jackal token does a number of different things outside of the traditional stuff when it comes to either governance or staking. 
Um, primarily, it's an incentive for the storage providers, number one. It's a unit of exchange for data storage in the protocol. So if you want to access data storage, you have to use Jackal tokens to pay for a storage account and uh, pay for a unique amount of terabytes for a given amount of time. So that's kind of it. the way that I look at the uh, the tokens itself. Um, obviously not financial advice. I'm also not in finance. So you have to kind of uh, take this with a grain of salt, but it's kind of like a data storage future in a weird way where it's uh, you're looking at features of, of data, uh, which is pretty funky when you start to think on about it from that standpoint. But um, the way that the protocol operates, it's uh, it operates like a business at the end of the day, and it has some pretty basic business fundamentals with things like ARR or monthly recurring revenue and things along those lines, where for a storage account, um, you want to access data storage. So you actually have to purchase storage space from the protocol. So the way that we operate is we peg a terabyte to $8 a month, and that's kind of how that operates, and you have to pay that in Jackal tokens. So you can prepay for a storage account right now is the only way to do it. So say I want a, a terabyte for a year, I'm paying $8 a month, and I purchase that from the, from the protocol itself. If I don't continue to purchase the storage account, then those storage deals will be broken at the end of the day. So it is the primary, the use case for the token is is to access data storage and to manage your data storage. Obviously, it's also a gas token, does all that good stuff. But um, the primary use for this for the token is to purchase data storage space. Um, we're also looking at kind of doing other things. Um, I know Stargaze is working on minting NFTs using um, other IBC tokens, which is interesting. We could do something like that as well. But at the end of the day, in the background, you still have to buy back those Jackal tokens and then pay the protocol for that storage space. So that's kind of what uh, what the protocol does, and that's kind of what the token does. It's a unit of exchange for data storage primarily. It's also gas. Um, it's also for staking. It's for governance. It's for a number of different things. But the primary differentiator is accessing data storage. Beautiful. And uh, we got a lot of people on the back of this question about the token uh, asking how can they provide storage uh, earning these uh, Jackal tokens. Is there a quick uh, guide that we can point to? Is there an easy way to do it? How do they do that if they can do that? Yeah, um, well, the easiest way is to go. And uh, there's, I think it's docs.jackalprotocol.com where all of our documentation is. And there is a section there for storage providers. Should be noted that right now, storage providers are not earning block rewards like they used to. So it's actually being done by foundation grant until we do the next economics update where they'll be kind of being paid out of the protocol in a different manner. So number one, yes, you can provide storage. Anyone can provide storage is completely permissionless. But uh, for you to be incentivized, you actually have to apply for a foundation grant right now. Um, this is not like a forever solution, but it is a right now solution for the protocol. I see. So a little bit similar to uh, to becoming a validator for for chains that are uh, just launching. Sometimes they uh, they have the same setup. Yeah, it, it would be similar to something along those lines where you're kind of getting a grant for for staking rewards, but in this case, you're kind of being paid a fixed amount for storage um, for the protocol. If that makes sense. So um, sense. it's kind of like you can have a maximum of three machines, and uh, you provide storage to the network, and you'll be paid by the foundation. And we don't foresee this lasting much longer either. So it'll kind of move back to being rewarded algorithmically out of the protocol uh, relative to amount of unique terabytes stored on your machine relative to the entire storage of the network. Makes sense. 
A final question from the community here that I'm going to throw in there. It's around the uh, choice of launching a, an app chain versus a consumer chain. You mentioned in the beginning that you guys have been going a bit back and forth between uh, first uh, looking into Polygon and then Secret Network and finally settling on deploying your own app chain. But if you could do it over, or perhaps you can also do it now, of course, uh, deploying it as a consumer chain like Sprite did, even though they they have also deployed an app chain. Um, but if you could do it all over, um, would it be interesting for something like Jackal to to uh, to launch a consumer chain adopting uh, interchain security, uh, ICS on Cosmos Hub, and yeah, basically building there. There's a lot of debate, of course, around consumer chains and the Cosmos Hub finding its place finally in the Cosmos. So I like to ask that question for, for teams uh, building in Cosmos, if that's something that they will be interested in, um, just to get the, a feel from teams building on Cosmos. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it's interesting. I we haven't looked at it thus far. We haven't really felt a, an interest or or a need to kind of use interchain security um, for the security side of things. We're using Babylon right now, so we're getting timestamped to Bitcoin for security sake. If we have to roll back the chain, for example, or have to kind of something happens, then we have to reboot the chain. We have a, an immutable source of truth on the Bitcoin network. Uh, um, would we want to be in? interchain security and kind of be in the ICS chain. Right now, um, I, I don't think the value proposition is there for our team. Um, just being honest, I I don't, from, from the way that we're looking at it for, for our specific use case, we're kind of more focused on DeFi. Um, a lot of the applications that are currently like looking to be an ICS chain are more focused on the DeFi aspect of it rather than like data storage or kind of an infrastructure. Um, I, I don't think it's really there for, for us because we don't really need, um, like for example, we're, we're not really looking for liquidity from, from the Cosmos hub or we're looking for kind of anything else. We have our security from Babylon. In the future, um, depending on what the value proposition is or if, if there's an, a need for us to kind of feel to be more interconnected or get more support from development or something along those lines, possibly. But uh, in its current state, um, we've done like a lot of work to kind of launch our protocol and launch our token and launch all of our different things. And I don't really see a need for us to um, do a lot of the work to migrate back into being in the Cosmos Hub right now. Um, it might change in the future, obviously. I, I just don't really see it for us in this current moment. I agree. I agree. That's also why I want to ask a question and bring it up to light because I don't see the use case either right now as it stands, but uh, maybe there was something that I was missing or something that you guys have been thinking about. But yeah, I mean, um, Cosmos Hub is not meant for every single app chain out there to to uh, deploy as a consumer chain. Um, so uh, yeah, just uh, wanted to ask a question because I think it's, a, it's an interesting debate going on right now and, uh, and Cosmos Hub uh, finally finding its place in the, in, in the Cosmos. I, I think it's great. I, I think it's great for some use cases. Um, for us, um, I, I love our validator set. I don't think I'd give up our validator set for pretty much anything. <laughs> They've been great. Like we're, we're not an easy blockchain to run by any means. And they've stuck with us through it. And they've, uh, our chain grows in size quite quickly and we're doing all the scalability upgrades and they've been there from a technical support level for all kinds of different stuff for us from running storage providers and all that great stuff. So 
out of the the pure love for the community that we've built and the validators that we've built and all that stuff, I, I don't really see a need for us to kind of um, migrate into a different community where there's unforeseen social risks um, that could be involved with that as well. Beautiful. The final question that I have, um, and then it's a, it's a play, free play from here, as I like to say. But the final question I always like to ask is to allow ourselves a bit to dream on spaces like this. Um, you know, we tend to think uh, a month from now or three months from now or six months from now, well, what are we going to deliver and what are we going to push out for people to use and, and, uh, and interact with? But uh, we never sort of ask ourselves and stop for a bit and uh, think about where, how does Jackal look like five years from now, 10 years from now, you know, pick your number long-term basically. So uh, if you were to sit there you know, 10 years from now, looking back at what Jackal has become, and uh, you would look at it and say, this is exactly what we set out to build. How would Jackal look like then? So the way that we look, and if we're looking at like 10 years, 50 years, um, and why do why build this now, right? We think that blockchain-based data storage infrastructure offers significant advantages over legacy systems and is posed to replace them in areas of privacy and security, data integrity, data availability, resiliency, efficiency, um, self-sovereignty, ownership, um, just kind of having Im immutable sources of truth in, in supply chains and the different use cases kind of go on and on and on. We see that we believe that all of data permissions are going to be managed by blockchains in the future. Uh, we think it's inevitable. And we think that the Jackal protocol is going to be the infrastructure to provide that. Um, and that's kind of why we're building what we're building. And we, we think long term, uh, we believe that this infrastructure is is the permission system for the entire data economy and kind of all data that's, that's out there. And we think that it's, uh, it's super secure, super scalable. It has all the benefits that we think are, are very, very mandatory in a time like today where we're looking at the news every single week and seeing a different XYZ company got breached yesterday or uh, this data <laughs> got leaked or this data got hacked and stolen. And it's uh, we think that this is a fixable problem. It's just that the infrastructure, um, when the Internet was first conceived, they didn't think about this much complexity. And it's time for us to kind of take a step back look at the infrastructure and try to figure out ways that we can build a more secure and, uh, and private internet um, from that standpoint and starting at the data permissions level. Amen to that, man. Amen to that. Patrick, this has been awesome. Is there anything we left out? Is there anything you want to leave the community with today? Um, I'm sure this is not the last time that we hear from you guys, but um, what can we do basically as a community? We are, uh, thrilled that you guys are building in cosmos obviously uh, so what can we do as a community to to help you guys um well number one best thing to help us is try to use it right it's uh is try to get a storage account try it out uh give us honest feedback and help us iterate is that's the the most help that we can possibly ask for outside of that obviously joining the community is always great and having uh a larger presence in our discord and our telegram chats and kind of growing the community organically and trying to find different use cases. If you have any businesses that you think that can benefit from an infrastructure like this, feel free to reach out to us because uh, 
we're always, always happy to look at different use cases and try to figure out ways that we can support and provide value to those industries. Um, yeah, try it out. Come to the Discord, hang out, give us a follow. And uh, we're going to be here for a long time. So we're really, really happy that we can kind of continue to start building our community during this bear market. Awesome, man. Thank you so much, Patrick, for coming on to the club tonight. Uh, it's night where I'm sitting here in Copenhagen. Uh, probably not where you're sitting in, in Canada. But yeah, nevertheless, thank you so much, Patrick, for coming on. And uh, we look forward to uh, follow you guys and your progress. We'll make sure to tweet out whenever there's updates and uh, keep a close eye on you guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. Take care, man. Ciao. in like Taoism, there's this principle in like Taoism where it's just like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, like just inevitably it kind of starts to happen. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's just like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, inevitably it kind of starts to happen. Tripping on the bird app, listening to nerds laugh, wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed. It's like everybody's holding heavy bags in Web3. That's why they can't fly, they just drowning in the bird bath, fishing for some dry powder. Watch how we ignite the tower, blowing up their bank accounts, forgetting how to fight the power. Y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes. They preach an open sauce, but don't listen to the code, and now it's mutiny, community uprise. There's no more humility, futility, plus size. Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal. Which side of the line you bleeding out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking west side shit, needle and noose, sticking with my armory, yam beta and Bruce, repping psychedelic artistry, believing the truth, like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue? GM fam. Is it really worth all the effort? Is it really worth all the fighting? Is it really worth all the drama? And the answer, I think, is a clear no. We started using Zoom, now we finna zoom out Teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about Little baby bitches when they choose to have fits All you're left with is kibble when you lose all them bits And that kibble's just sawdust, this shit is all rust Not a great look, you're what we'd call all nuts And I for one did not see that coming Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money Meanwhile over here rewiring features More critical thinking, less knee jerk More evolution, less shit Preachers pretending to be teachers Y'all just predatory leeches I mean please, just look at the track record A bunch of VC rap fucks Sucking up the cheddar, the recipe is two steps Rinse and repeat Now we all in your butts And we bring in receipts GM fam, have a seat If you're listening to this, my, my plea to you It would be like, don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it Just say like, is it really, is it really worth this war of attrition? It might cost, it might cost us, a us a lot more than, than what can be gained game. by like fighting this to the better end. And sometimes it's better to just like move on. Ten spaces. <laughs>